Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Please put a thumb in the air. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Tree Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. Gang, what what are you Woo! up to today? How's everyone? How's everyone doing? I'm normal, pretty bored. Normal day? Just uh, another day? Just another another Monday <laughs> after <laughs> a holiday. <laughs> My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We have well some news today, gang. Just a little. Uh, the Flyers appear to have uh, fired the wrong H, but <laughs> well, I guess we'll they get got into, confused. I guess we'll get into all. You know what? I get confused talking about it. I can easily see like whatever secretary drew up, you know, the memo. <laughs> Why so, is it always a woman? Some what? lady. When did I say woman? <laughs> Why are you sure. assuming a secretary would be a woman? Oh, a good point. Because <laughs> if it was a man, you would call them an administrative assistant. Or a coordinator. That sounds like nothing I would <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they would ever say those words together. <laughs> so if you haven't heard, well, I doubt you listened to this show, but if you haven't heard, uh, the Flyers have fired general manager Ron Hextall. He took over uh, following the 2013-14 season. Um, he built up a great group of prospects. He drafted Carter Hart. Uh, we have a ton of cap space. We'll get into some stuff, but... They haven't taken a step forward, really, in his tenure. They're kind yeah. of exactly... I mean, we got into this last show or whenever it was. Um, like, their record right now is almost exactly where it was at this time last season. So, that's where we are. They, you know, let, let's just get right into it. Let's do the introductions. Uh, let's lead it off with Steph Alicious D. Steph Driver. You know, this is not what I was expecting to come back from the Thanksgiving break to. Now, mm-hmm. after... After the game on Saturday, I expected something to happen. But man, I did not expect them to go from zero to 100 in 0.5 seconds. Like, this was not the first move I expected them to make. I expected maybe a big trade to shake up the core a little bit. I expected maybe the coach or, I, I, I don't know, something that was not... We're firing all of your bosses. Yeah. The the boss the boss man he's gone. I, I that's like that's the thing we found out today. Is, at least that I found out is that Hextall wasn't running the show. Like there was somebody telling him, "Hey, you better do something." But like, we knew that. I really thought that he had a lot more uh, a lot more control. Well, I think, I think he thought he, he did thought, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he thought he had a lot more control. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. You know, during this whole thing, it really was a whirlwind of a day. Um, but one thing that just kind of kept popping back into my head was that 
You know, it was only a little over three years ago when Ron Hextall pulled off that four-day span where he got Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny in the first round, then was able to turn Nicholas Grossman and um, and the, the contract of Chris Pronger into a useful player in Sam Gagne, and then got a third-round pick for Zach Ronaldo. And at that time, I felt like this guy was never going to stop being a general manager of this team. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that this guy was destined to be like the next Clark, who was just going to be around forever. And it's mind-boggling to me how quickly everything changed. Like, that isn't that long ago. It's 2015. It's not very long ago. And somehow the whole thing just fell apart. And not to say that the team has fallen apart, but just everything we thought about where, you know, where what Herxall's standing was, where the whole team standing was, it just... It, it just it's completely changed and it's bizarre to think that that wasn't that long ago. I put together a, a list of all of the moves that had been made since Hextall was hired as the GM and there's a big drop off in what he was doing between uh, I'd say the the 2016 maybe the the second half of 2017 and now. Last but certainly not least, Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, his list of NHL moves wasn't very impressive. That's the and that go ahead, Kelly. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say like the way that you described his tenure just now made me think of like you know if you're like a contractor, you do like a lot of really good work mm-hmm. on like the pipes and the wires and the shit behind the walls that nobody sees, but you don't like smooth out the plaster or put pretty tiles down. Yeah. Like, he got the work done behind the scenes that was really important that needed to be done, but he never put a bright, shiny bow on it, so it's kind of like nobody cares now. And when Charlie talks about those moves that he made, the Ronaldo third-round pick, like, those sorts of things, we can look at that like, oh, yeah, man, they got a pick and Jordan Wheel. Didn't matter what Jordan Wheel turned into. It was a throw-in. All of a sudden, he's their 3C. You can debate how good he is. Yeah, that was they, only a couple months afterwards. Yeah, like, that right. trade, the you, can, you can debate those things, but they moved Luke Shen and Vinny LeCavalier, who couldn't play. Like, the, L.A. took LeCavalier only on the condition, all right, but you gotta quit after this year. Like, <laughs> Luke Shen was just waived the other day. And, like, and you talk about those signature moves, and as Steph said... You know, when they were selling, he did some good shit, and we're going to talk about it because I want to. I made sure to lead off my uh, immediate reaction on the Facebook Live today with a thank you to Ron Hextall because yep. he did some net. Regardless of what has happened since, he has done some very necessary, very tough to do work, uh, and the cupboard is not bare. They're going to have like thirty-five, close to like thirty-some million uh, this off season, and guess what? Claude Giroux still here. Jake Vorch, like, mm-hmm. make one for big, today. Yeah, for I'm just saying. I know. Even if you don't start over and rip it all down, you have these guys on big contracts, and it's not even going to matter because they have so much cap space. Yeah, he set the table. Yeah, I mean, the table was set. It's just then it was okay. Well, then what? We we needed we needed to take steps. We needed to push the envelope and he was not the guy to get that done. And I've been I've been the proponent of Hextall. I have believed in the plan this whole time and I thought that once he said, once he went out and spent money and he said, this is the year we start to turn the corner. There's different expectations this year. Every player coming into the season talked about, yeah, last year wasn't good enough. We need to not just get into the playoffs. We need to get into the playoffs, win around. We need to do damage. We need to go on a run. Well, 
You're exactly where you were last year, and the GM has done nothing to fix it. I guess, really, his biggest failing is the goaltending position, right? Yeah, he messed that up like, big time. If this team, as we say all the time, just got league average goaltending, they'd be okay. And really, to be totally honest, I, I know everybody's going to look at it and say it's always the goaltending, but up until... Elliot's injury mm-hmm. in that Arizona game that we were all out in Vegas for, like that was really the turning point yep. of the goal. Because until up until that point, the goaltending was not bad. Like Steve Mason was better than a lot of people gave him credit for. And then the beginnings of that Elliot Neuver tandem were it wasn't a disaster. Elliot was okay, mm-hmm. but once he got hurt in that game, and then Neuver kept getting hurt, and then they had to trade for Morozik, and Lyon came in the just from that point on, it just became this mess of a situation and the fact that he was the fact that he stuck with that tandem in the offseason it's just it seemed questionable but it was even more questionable than it seemed because we didn't know that Elliot there was a chance Elliot wasn't going to be ready for game one and I don't think anybody realized that because we just assumed well he had the surgery in February it'll be fine he just Mm -hmm. takes some time off and then he's good and then we found out two or three preseason games in that Elliot was basically saying, I might not be ready. I'm trying. And that was when you were just, wait, what? Like you came in with the guy who's always heard of Neuvert and the guy who might not be ready because of surgery. who's 33 as your goalie tandem. And you thought that was okay. That, that was, that was beyond risk taking. That was mm-hmm. just, I mean, our, our, bu- our buddy, our, our buddy uh, up at TSN, who's it's Frank, Frank, Sarah, 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 I forgot his name. <laughs> I called it malpractice over the weekend. He, called he wasn't it, wrong. He called it malpractice coming into the season using those two, having those two as your starting goal. And your insurance policy being Alex Lyon, who, handful of games, he's, nice guy, yeah, hope fine. he's okay, but I don't he know. He went back down to the he is what he is. today, which got lost in yeah. Yeah. everything. Anthony Stolarz, who... Didn't play basically uh, yeah, all of did, last year. Took a year off, yeah. like had double knee surgery. Yeah. And Carter Hart, who realistically was never going to make this team out of camp. Mm-hmm. Like, well, at least under this GM. Yeah. <laughs> no 20-year-old goaltender is going to make... It's It I, doesn't happen. I, I agree it doesn't happen, but I have a suspicion that there are some... There are some people in the organization that may have been okay with it. The I man agree. can't even pay his electric bill on time. <laughs> like, come on. Did we all, we all read that article? Yeah, Carter yeah. Hart can't... Does- oh, the vibrating roller. Right. That article. That article. No, Carter Hart clearly isn't ready for the NHL yet, but... Or no. to be an adult who pays bills. I'm not ready for that. I'm 10 years older than he is. Well, Same. there are some <laughs> problems happening there. Oh, all right. So, I just, so when you first heard the news, whatever time it was today, like 10.30, whatever time it was today, initial reaction, just your first instinct, what did you think? That. I, I mean, I dropped everything that was in my hand and I got real close to my computer screen. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm what? What? <laughs> what? I had an inclination, an inkling that something was going on just because so somebody, somebody I talked to who has like, I wouldn't call him a source, but he knows people in the organization DM me and basically was like, there's some, something is going to happen. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be big. And then multiple people walked into the media room basically saying something similar. So you got the feeling that something was going to happen. Mm. And when all the players came out, 
to the ice. So there was no, there were no players missing. And then when all the coaches came out to the ice, it was sort of, well, by process of elimination, I guess there's only one big move that they can do. Because you would assume if they traded someone, someone wouldn't have been on the ice because you don't want to risk an injury. Yeah. And if they fired a coach, the coach wouldn't be out there. So it kind of left only one possible thing. So I would I would have been a lot more shocked had that had I not gotten that half an hour leading up to right. the news. That's, mm-hmm. I know someone who works with some people who are close to the organization and was like, after the fact, oh yeah, they were being real weird today. Just being like, oh, were they you- were they weird? What? Who? The, the organization? I mean, the organization was... Sunday, apparently, things were quite weird. Okay. And, I mean, obviously, after the firing, the players were... I wouldn't say a mess, but they were shaken. Like, did absolutely. You, did you have availability today? With yeah. Them? Oh, yeah. We had the, we had availability with the players and Hack. What did they say? Yeah, Drew had a whole thing I on didn't, the site. I didn't... Yeah. I'd been not online. Voracek, Voracek probably was the most... Unsurprisingly, he was the most talkative about it and he basically admitted that yeah you know this serves as a reminder that literally no one is safe and that's when it's ron because we all just like oh yeah they're gonna fire lappy eventually that'll be the scapegoat or you know at some point hack has to go there's gonna be a trade to shake things up now they forewent all of that I'm just like, yeah, it's going to be the GM. And that's what, like, reasons beyond, because everyone's, in, my initial reaction was, and? Was like, <laughs> yeah. and Where, what where's the else? other shoe? It's like, okay, I, I was just, <laughs> as soon as it, I was like, I felt like Jed Bartlett. I was like, all right, what's next? Yeah. I, right. d- I do like, believe, I do believe this is a first step. And yes. The, yes. The, only, the only way this makes sense to me, and hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity on this tomorrow at the press conference. The only way this makes sense to me is if the higher ups and I'm like Holmgren, Dave Scott, everybody that's and involved in that thing, Bobby Boy, and apparently Bobby Clark is involved as well, or Bob Clark. He's no longer Bobby. He doesn't play anymore. Um, <laughs> He's 69 years old. He's, He's grown not Bobby. Up. So it is that they basically were were. In the wake of the 6 nothing loss, basically, we're deciding something has to happen. And yeah. I'm not saying Hack's still getting fired. When, when, when you say something has to happen, everybody just immediately took that to mean, well, Hack's going to get fired. And I don't think that was... I think if that was the mandate, Hack would have went today, too. Yeah. But I don't think it was, you have to fire Hack. I think it was, you got to do something, right? And all I can think of is Hexall was basically just said no said, I am not doing anything. We're on the right path. Trust me. Trust my process. It's all going to work out. And the higher-ups were just like, we can't. We can't yeah, do it anymore. Like, and that's uh, if and, and 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 if Hexall, like if Hex, if you're the higher ups and you've decided that something has to happen, and the guy, the only guy who has the power to do something won't do it, this is the only thing you can do to make something happen. All you can do is fire the guy who won't make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. And the impression that I've gotten um, is that the, the words trust me and I'm a hockey guy and you're not a hockey guy were said just a little bit too frequently to Dave Scott, who is the boss. He is the new Ooh. Ed Snyder. I like that he talked down to his boss. Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> but you probably shouldn't do it. Right. It's <laughs> a like, real power move. Like, you know, in hindsight, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to keep telling your boss, I know better than you. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Yes, it's managing athletes, but it's still a business. Yeah. And it is run as a business. And that's so a if couple you're of- if you've been able to successfully lead a business, you can be a successful president 
of a hockey organization. And that's a couple of things. Like, immediately I thought, all right, he refused to fire Hack, and so they let him go, and then they're going to fire Hack. But now that doesn't seem to be the... Like, they would have just done it all at the same time. Well, I, I don't least, know, though. I, I, I just think that they're, wa- they're waiting until they hire the yeah. new GM, okay. and the new GM is going to make the decision. Now, granted, it's very hard... It's hard for me to imagine a scenario where whoever they hire isn't going to want to bring in his own people. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's theoretically plausible that the GM might come in and say, we've already had enough turmoil this season, let me evaluate these guys the rest of the year, and then if I'm not satisfied, bring in my own people. Yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, I, just, I wouldn't, as much as, listen, I want Hack gone as much as anybody in the world. Under that, if the GM, new GM, whoever the hell it is, comes in and just goes, give me the year, or give me till the all-star break, give me to the deadline, whatever, mm-hmm. let me get some time to figure out what's going, what the issue is. I'm not just going to come in and go, oh, the fans want the coach fired, so let's do that. Yep. Uh, like That'd be fun, too, but yep. I would understand the reasoning and not hate it. Let's let's give the players some type of stability. Now, I've been beating the fire Hackstall drum louder than anybody else for the past two years. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if he stayed for the rest of the season. Give them some some stability and give them a chance to crawl out of the hole that they've built this this season as opposed to just writing the whole thing off in November. I mean, the irony of the whole thing is that if the, if whoever this new GM can just get a goalie, they really could <laughs> turn this around. <laughs> and that was well, my hot take. The penalty kill before Saturday's game. Before Saturday's game, I wrote. I had already written my like show opening hot take, and it was basically like maybe I'm, I didn't go so far as Steph's. This is a like by not a, uh, by not addressing the goalie situation. It's a stealth tech. Was kind of what you said, Steph. At one point, I did. I didn't go so far as to say that, but it was kind of just, hey, Hextall not giving uh, Hackstall a goalie is kind of like a shield for Hackstall because you can always go. That's fair. Even no matter how bad you might think Hackstall is, when they get decent goaltending, they tend to win. We've said that a million yep. times on this show. All the problems, all the problems with this team. When the goalie makes some saves, they usually win. And, you know, if they just got that, so maybe the new GM comes in, they figure something out in net. I, may, I don't, I don't want to give Dave more time. I don't want to be I like, don't I either. still don't know. But maybe we don't. Because I will say, based on just system and what we see visually with this team. Oh, penalty, no, not visually is better. I'm not <laughs> visually going, better. Visually, no. Did you watch my head visually, snap up no, when yeah, you said I know. visually? I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> visually, like... Wh- now I don't remember what I was going to say. You know, I actually, I actually wonder. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. I actually wonder if that comment is part of the reason why. Woo! It was a really Be- bad one because, like, as as bad as we took that, the penalty kill is visually better comment. If you're the higher ups and you hear that, like that is about as anti classic Flyers mentality as one can possibly get. When you're looking at a horrid penalty kill and saying it looks visually better, like that's the kind of soundbite that that can bury a guy. And that's going back to the Pierre Maguire stuff. If you hadn't heard it, Pierre Maguire kind of reported. Uh, well, it was alleged that he reported. You know, the organization's losing a bunch of money. The fan apathy. The, they are. Yeah, and that's like. That's the kind of thing that leads to fan apathy. If all these people paying all this money for tickets see a penalty kill that's worse, and the GM going, no, actually, it's good. Well, 
I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I don't think my money is being put into the right places. I'm not going to give you my money anymore. Well, let's kind of switch gears a little bit um, into, they didn't actually fix anything on the ice today. They did not. So while this is the big dick swing and move, what did they actually fix? Other than to give everyone a wake up call, hey, this is what we can do. Get your shit together. And that's like I expected Fair. like Simmons like I expected that move to be like Simmons. Like, oh my god, the heart right. and soul of the team yeah. can get traded. Yeah. Like, no, right. it was the guy no. who runs the team. No, this 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 was like the ultimate <laughs> yeah. get your heads out of your asses. Look what we can do. I can do this to you, I can do this to your friend, I can do this to your coach. Yeah, and Voracek, as I said, Voracek was the most talkative. And he flat out said, like without because he was basically asked, you know, what do you think this says for the for the core? And Voracek is like, look, I have, I don't have a no trade clause, so honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I could get moved. Anybody could get moved. This anything can happen now, and that's the world we live in. And it must be bizarre for the players because as frustrating, like as frustrating as it was for fans to see them do nothing, it did have to be comforting to the players. Just to know that they don't have to worry about getting traded. And the question is whether that comfort is good or bad. Like, it definitely must have made their lives feel easier. Now, whether that actually matters on the ice, I don't know. But th- this is a, this is a, this is going to shake them. It's the game of like Game of Thrones for the last couple of seasons. You know nobody important is going to die, so they go out and do all this stupid, dumb shit. Like, you know, go north of the wall and try to bring back a, a white... But instead, it's, you know, real life and hockey. So I want to get into the... Charlie knows what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I saw some of that show. I want to get into the Pierre Maguire thing and the Carter Hart thing, just because uh, Charlie had a good clarification for it before we went live. Um... NHL prospects watcher. This was all over the. Uh, this is all over Flyers Twitter today. McGuire says Hextall wanted rebuild to be done properly, not deviate from it. Holmgren wanted to bring up Hart now and speed up the rebuild. They have not been selling out. Flyers m- losing millions in revenue. Hextall didn't want to do that. That's your philosophical differences. Now you said there was a little bit different interpretation. Uh, yeah, I, I read it. I read it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, well, the, well, the, the back half makes perfect sense. They they are struggling with revenue and, and hockey, they want to make more money. That hockey, makes perfect sense to me. Hockey is the one sport that kind of depends on the gate still. Yeah. Like all the others, well, attendance well, is well, down and everything. Well, the gate's fine. They they've already sold the tickets. Yeah, it's, sold it's, the it's it's everything else. People aren't show weren't showing up to games. That's, yeah, that was they, the problem. That includes like. Tickets, say, uh, not just tickets, concessions, sales, concessions and merch. Yeah, and what merch. per person spends Absolutely. while they're there. Because if you just sell the tickets, that ain't enough. But going back to, to my point, that makes perfect sense to me. The part about heart never it it just, it didn't ring true because it completely neglects the fact that Hart is not doing well in the AHL this year and bringing up a guy a 20 year old from the AHL with a sub 900 save percentage like that's not aggressive. That's insane. Yeah. So it, that just didn't make any sense to me. But there was an alternative interpretation that I saw on Twitter that makes more sense to me. And basically with that interpretation was that McGuire was actually saying that there were people in the organization that wanted Hart to make the team out of camp when he was playing well. And that that rings truer because Hart was the best goalie in camp. By and, far. and the reason why he was sent down was because Hextall basically was just like, no, and that you're getting game- a, you're getting a year in the NHL. And. Ironically, Hexel was proven right because yeah. Carter Hart clearly isn't ready. That's, but 
that rings true to me that there would have been people in the organization saying, you're holding this guy back because of this ridiculous patience and he's ready and you're just too scared to put him up. There. I just thought it was a little curious that Emily Kaplan's ESPN article about Carter Hart saying, I don't really want to follow any path that they have for me. I just want to go to the NHL as fast as I can. I appreciate the fans and the love of Philly uh, and the love and love the city of Philly. I want to be there as soon as I can. I don't care what path it is. I want to be the qu- I want it to be the quickest path possible. It was a little curious to me that our, that article got published at like 7 a.m. today and this got announced when? Like, like I, think, after I think it's coincidence. I thought it was, He's yeah. been saying the same stuff since. I know. I just I mean, thought it was. Before training camp started. I just thought it was a little. Coincidental. Coincidental. I mean, you're trying to make it a thing and it's not a thing. I, 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 think, thing. It, I think if anything, it wasn't, this wasn't, this article was not driven by inside knowledge that there was going to be this massive change. I think, if anything, it was just driven by the fact that the Flyers' goaltending situation is a total disaster. And it's like, okay, well, let's check in on the savior because everything in Philadelphia goalie-wise is bad right now. It just seemed... Because it's not... Everything in Philadelphia is bad right now. This wasn't on the My Teams app. Like, this was was on ESPN. (laughs) Oh, it was a good article. Yeah. If it it wasn't published today, it would have gotten a lot more reads. It was just surprising (laughs) to me. Uh, But, yeah, I, I kind of tend to think because it looked like Hart was turning his game around a little, mm-hmm. and then they played him back to back games, and he let in six in the second game. And it's all right, still got some stuff to work on. And he's well, listen, you're supposed to get lit up when you're 20. Oh, like, yeah, that's what happens. Ilya Samsonov, the goalie. Are you out on Carter Hart? No, I worry. I mean, it's irrationally, it's yes, too early. but I worry. I mean, yeah, you can worry, but there's nothing I can do about it. No, so I'll, worry, yeah. I'll worry when it's... And their defense is also stinking it up. It's not great. Like, it's, I'm much more worried about Phil Myers than I am Carter Hart. Fair. All right, so that's not <sighs> what we're talking about today, but... <laughs> All right, so I just want to run through some of Hexy's accomplishments before we move on to possible uh, some of the possible replacements Let's roll, we've William. heard talked about. Right, so cap space, I got into this a little bit, but following the 2015-16 season, the Flyers had under one million in cap space. It was like nine hundred grand that, to finish that year is what they had in cap space. Currently, they have about seven point five million uh, with the way cap space accrues. They can add over ten million in cap hits today and not be over uh, by dead. Deadline day cap friendly estimates they'll have nearly thirty five million dollars. They'll be able to take on thirty five million in like total. You know that's cap wild. Uh, this summer, Eric Carlson. This summer they'll have nearly thirty two million to spend with. Oh, a you U- have him listed yeah. here. This summer they'll have nearly thirty two. <laughs> this is Bill million we're talking about here to spend. Right. On uh, with the UFA class that includes, as of now, Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, Jordan Eberle, Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, Jeff Skinner, Jake Gardner, and you know Bobrovsky, but not much behind him in terms of goalies. Uh, but they have a ton of money, and that is because of what Hextall did. Prospects: Sanheim, Lindblom, Provorov, Konechny, and Patrick all making an impact already. Albe Kubel and Vorobiev have. Been here, <laughs> yeah, and they'll, they'll they'll be back. Yeah, they'll be at back at some point. I'm just not trying to include them with the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, they're they're not on that level, a, but they're yeah. they're pieces, There's and they'll proper, be NHL players. Yeah. Uh, Myers, Friedman, Sandstrom, Fedotov, of course, Carter Hart. The whole 2016 class looks decent. We have Ratcliffe, who's like leading some league in goals. The OHL, OHL I believe, he plays yeah. in. Uh, Ustamenko, who I love. Strom, Morgan Frost, yeah, Strom, who is Did not the, the one. I don't think yeah, Frost. Not even Frost. I don't even have him listed. Plus, new guys like Farabee and St. Ivany and Wiley who are like 
Those the two that, uh, defensemen that, are off the that good Samuel Urson guy yeah, is kill, killing it in the second tier Swedish league. Mm-hmm. So there's another goalie that's an option. Yeah, and the, the, the pipeline is deep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think anybody would argue no. that Hextall has not done a g- very good job building up a pipeline. Like that's that that's great? very clearly a strength of his. And I guess the only the only real argument you can make against it is that, well, when you have that many picks, you're bound to hit on some. But he seemed but he's, he's hit on a on lot. A lot. Yeah. That's the point, is that there are busts. It happens. Like, look at all the Strom brothers who are supposed to be these stars. We got the good one. Maybe we did. We? did we? They were traded this week. <laughs> and at least we not didn't ours. take him second overall or fourth overall or whatever the hell it was. It was a flyer in the fourth round. Who Fair. knows? Mm-hmm. And then the trades, we went through them, like the third rounder for Ronaldo, Wheel and a third for like Cavalier and still, Shen. still grumpy about Rubsov? Who knows? I mean, he, I think he's, I am, but he's I'm out for the season reason. now. I mean, it sucks that he's I, out. Hold on. I still don't believe that. No? By the way. That he's out for the season. The like, team they, has they said, said it. it. The team has said it. Yeah, but I still don't believe it. <laughs> it's an well, upper body injury. <laughs> Steph, Steph, is, Steph because, is a truther. Because there's no th- there's no visible reason for him to be out for he the season. He has a shoulder. He's getting shoulder surgery. But he's not in a sling. Jake said that you don't have to be in. You don't necessarily have to be in a sling before surgery. I asked I've him heard specifically differently. Oh, why would they? Why would they be conspiracy theorying? Because Scott term? Gordon already went and. Oh. Said it, so okay. now they're just like whatever. Oh. Well, you can't play anymore because, they said it <laughs> because out loud. we said it out loud. I know you've been doing really well, but we can't play you anymore. I just don't. I just don't. I, I think. I think it's bullshit. So anyway, continue. All right. So now, no, and then the trades. We got into them already, so we don't need to rehash any of the stuff. But he didn't have the thing I wanted to say. Like Holmgren, yeah, screwed some things up, but he had the signature moves, like everything surrounding the Forsberg trade, where he traded Forsberg, got the assets, and then moved some of those assets back to. Nashville to get guys named Kimo Team and Scott Hartnell, guys who had pretty good careers here, going out and spending big and it being Mr. Playoffs, Danny Briere, things like that, that he could really, I put my stamp on this. And Hextall, for all his good asset management, never had that move. Replacement candidates now, though, because now- I, I actually I want I want to make a point about this okay. uh, before we move into replacement candidates, because like this is something that's been. I've been turning over in my head for a while, um, basically all weekend, even before this move this move went down. But as I started to kind of zero in on Hextall as less the less a guy who I just viewed as untouchable and more like what's actually going on here. I think he did a good job as general manager, but I do believe that part of the general man part of the job of being a general manager in a city in an NHL city is to know the nature of the franchise that you're working for. And I I spoke to this in the column I wrote on Monday morning about how it just felt like the reason why fans grew up loving the Flyers was getting lost in this process. That fans grew up loving the Flyers' commitment to winning all the time. They they, they grew up loving the Flyers. They're, they're, They're not... Not necessarily the crazy aggressiveness of Holmgren, but just the the fact that they never really took a year off. If they had a bad year, they would go out and they would sign Danny Briere and, and everybody the very next year. It just... They basically... The Flyers organization basically trained their fans to view the organization in a certain way. Yeah. And Hextall... I think people were willing to give Hextall a lot of, a lot of slack in the beginning, but at some point... 
people just kind of needed to see something like that or else they were going to, it was going to feel like they weren't really rooting for the Flyers anymore. And I think that's what's happened over the past year and a half to two years is that it just, it felt for too many fans like they weren't rooting for the Flyers team they grew up with. And and you can say that that's on the fans and to a degree like, yeah, maybe the fans are being a little unfair and, 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 and the, you know, they should have been more patient. That's an argument to be made. But I think it's part on Hextall to recognize what the what the fans and what the organization as a whole needs out of a general manager and find a way to bridge the, the bridge the gap between what he thought should be done and what the requirements of being a Flyers general manager inherently were and I don't know if he ever figured out how to do that and that's like while it might be a little unfortunate like you said because it's just the situation they were in yeah like no matter what age you are you saw great Flyers teams 70s teams went to three straight cups won two of them the 80s Went to three cups in the 80s. It just so happened they ran into two of the best teams that ever lived. You know, the 90s. There was that little little brief period there where they missed the playoffs. Yeah, before Lindros. Five years in a row. Then they get Lindros, and then they make the playoffs 16 out of 17 years. They missed once. It was like after 11 straight years. And now we're in this, ah, oh, we make it sometimes. We don't make it. And, yeah, it's a little unfair, but I grew up. With cup contending Flyers teams, and I haven't been able to say that since like 2011. And I know that doesn't seem that long, but oh man, for people paying for season tickets, it damn sure feels like a long time. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about cup contender. Yeah. I'm talking about like just the competitive in on it. Yeah, just the the idea that it was possible that they could be a cup contender. Yeah. And the thing is, Charlie and I talked about this a bit before the show. I I mean, Flyers fans and the city in general really did give him. A longer leash than I think other people would have gotten, just by way of the fact that he was Ron Hextall. Oh yeah, if he I wasn't, if he wasn't Ron Hextall, this he would have never even no. got the chance to be like, we need patience. That would have never happened. Yeah, for the first few years, there was very much a trust the process vibe surrounding this team, and people were willing to go with it. But this year, I think. I would say the end of last year and this year was really the point at which people really started to turn on him because they expected a step forward and it didn't happen. And he seemed unwilling to do anything to make that happen. He brought in JVR, but that didn't work. And then he didn't seem to want to do anything else. I just think that there, like, there are things that maybe he could have done that really objectively speaking, maybe wouldn't have been the smart thing to do, especially yeah. based on his process, but maybe they need it to be done to just throw these fans a bone. One like, or like, two things. Yeah, like maybe last trade deadline, maybe you go out and trade for Ian Cole or trade for Michael Grabner. Like, yeah, it's annoying and, and it probably wasn't the smart move to give up a draft pick. Probably in the long term was a smart move to keep the draft pick. That's the better asset management. But maybe... Just by nature of being Philadelphia Flyers GM, maybe you kind of had to do those things just to just to show people that you were still in it. And at the end of the day, with all these prospects, with all these uh, picks they already have, everything, everything stockpiled, the second round pick that they would have had to give up for Michael Grabner, what was it really going to yeah. be? Like, yeah, if they two years from now draft somebody who turns out to be a stud, we'd be annoyed by it when we went and looked at hockey reference, but... <sighs> I'll get over it if Nolan Patrick's Nolan Patrick. Like, all right, let's get into I, the replacement. Well, well, I mean, what you were saying when I went through all of the all of the things that Ron Hextall has done for the past year and a half, maybe a little bit longer, it's just extending dudes, yep. just extending dudes like bums, like and that's, it's like not saying that 
Michael Roffel's a bum or Alex Lyon is a bum or Ragu Gudis, and that's just what I'm looking at that's on my screen right now. But just bums. Like these are guys that could be replaceable, but he wouldn't do it. And that's like, I got the idea of, all right, let's just, you know, freaking bring in Belmar, Van, like whoever. And these are just guys, oh, we're going to extend him. We're going to sign this guy for a year just to hold a spot. When you look at the list, you go, oh, wow, he didn't bring in anyone good. It's like, maybe his talent evaluation's bad. And it's like, no, he was just trying to, like, fill a roster until some of these guys made it up here. But he also had a philosophy of, let's overcook everybody. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got to hold on and watch, to, watch Brandon Manning for three years. I don't know <laughs> if I want to do that. Yeah. Like, all right. Replacement candidates. The first one that everyone heard, and we all kind of jumped to the conclusion right away, I think, the most obvious, be, just because he's here. Because he's here and he's worked here before Dean Lombardi. Uh, he was the Sharks GM from 96 to 03. After he got fired, uh, shortly after he got fired, he was hired by the Flyers as a Western Conference scout. He was here till April of 06 when he was made the LA Kings general manager. He, of course, went on to win two cups there. Uh, kind of had a Hextall-ish process there. Uh, developed guys slowly, brought in veterans later on. Of course, Hextall never got to that part. But, uh, I, I mean, he built... A competitive team in San Jose the time he was there, and he built a cup winner in L.A. Listen, I don't like Dean Lombardi and the way he handled the Mike Richards or Slava Voinov situations. Obviously, don't like it. Like, absolute garbage. Like, but, it's more than not like for me. As a general managing candidate, I don't think he would be a disaster. I mean, it could be worse. Yeah, they could hire Garth Snow. Yeah, that's the that, that would be really bad. <laughs> that would be the worst. Is that I wonder? Is that the funniest possible option? Is it Garth Snow? When you say you like funny, ha ha. Like funny, I'm gonna laugh so I don't shoot myself in the head. Oh yeah, then okay, yes, then yes, 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 definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, that I'm one. gonna come on here if they hire Garth Snow and laugh for sixty no. minutes. So you can talk over. <laughs> you me. know who it would be who the funniest would be Mike Milbury. <laughs> oh okay, yeah. Well, uh, Pierre. Th- there, there yeah, would, that was gonna be my next. Set. There would I'd be there would be a certain amusement. Of the fact that it's like, oh well, we just fired one of our goalies from the 1997 yeah. Cup run. Let's just hire the other guy. Yeah. Like literally, you just jumped from ro- the, the tandem of Hexel and Snow was your tandem yeah. in the 97 uh, Cup final. Let's replace him with the guy we replaced him with in the playoffs. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so Dean Lombardi, I would be upset about it because and why? What? What's the point? What's the point? Yes, he has some proven success, but. Is it enough? Is it enough to justify hiring him here? I mean, I could see the argument for it, but he's got enough black marks on his record for me to not want him anywhere near my team. I mean, the problem is he's already near your team. Right. <laughs> Fair but, point. But, like, what is he actually doing? Wasn't he just, know. like, picking up coffee for X? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming he's doing, like, Bob Clark stuff. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Like, Bob being Clark there. <laughs> Answering questions. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, that's yelling at people when they need to be yelled at. The thing I'm looking forward to most at the press conference tomorrow is nothing to do with the, with the direction of the on ice product, honestly. I need answers about the power structure of this yeah. organization. We're not going to get a ton of detail, I'm guessing. But I'm that's trying to tell you what it is. But that's, you I, just don't believe me. I understand, but I need to know who's making this decision. I need to know They've who's making this decision. They've already said it's Paul decision. Holmgren. 
Paul, it's Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott. I, yeah, but I need Scott, to know. Scott is going to listen to Holmgren on this because he's not a hockey guy. Yeah, but then he I mean, didn't like not... hearing it, but he knows that Holmgren, like Holmgren, knows these people to a degree that Scott just doesn't. Yeah. Do but, you think Holmgren so, was never in on Hextall? I think that he was. I think he was. I think okay. he was. Um, I don't think he's ever been in on Hackstall. Oh, no. No, um, no. But my, my thought with Dean Lombardi, if it was going to be him, it would have already. Like, they, they, it, they would have at least slapped the interim tag on him when they made the announcement. They yeah. would have called him 10 minutes before and be like, listen, we're promoting you interim GM. Is he going to say no? Yeah, I guess the only I I think there's a lot there's a lot to that stuff. The only possible explanation as to why they didn't do that if they do go back the Lombardi route is just that we don't know how this firing came together. Like if this was re, if this was an impulse firing, then maybe it was just okay, we get rid of them and then we just, just let's just take a deep breath and then figure out what we want to do next. If this was actually something they talked about for a while and this was, it was like a last straw moment, that's a different story. Then you have plans as to what you're going to do next. But if this was an impulse fire, then maybe you just didn't know what you were going to do. And yeah. that's the one thing that I wonder about is I realize it's a business, but Lombardi and Ron are boys. Yeah, like he Lombardi yeah, that, when he that, got that's, that's a when he got thing. the L.A. job, he took Ron with him. Ron was in the organization too. I mean, he's, and was like, yeah, all right, he's here because yeah, Ron was come like, on with me. And as right. soon as he got fired by L.A., Ron was like, oh, come back and hang out with me. Like you gave me yeah. a job. Yeah. So I, I again, it's a business, and you take whatever job is you know available. Most people, but I wonder about that relationship there. Yeah, and and to Charlie's point, I mean, there was still the opportunity to even if it was an impulse there was still the opportunity to make a phone call one phone call before it was released to the media if they were going to go that route i guess they like a backup plan like yeah they're making phone calls and if nobody else bites they might give it and i guess like this isn't this is a different story like for example what happened in st louis when you know you fire mike yo and you slap the interim tag on craig berube but there's the there's the knowledge that like hey, this guy might not be the coach in two weeks if we work out a deal with Joel Quenville. Mm-hmm. If you slap the interim tag on a guy who's won multiple cups, I don't know if the interim tag is ever coming off. Like, there, there's a certain status of, like, Dean Lombardi is your general manager now. Whether it's interim or not, once he has the title, it's pretty hard to say, nah, actually, this guy who hasn't been in the NHL, who we like better in the interview, is going to jump in for Dean Lombardi. And the idea of an interim GM to me, it's like, all right, well, then I don't, if this guy isn't going to be here next week, I don't want him making decisions yeah. that yeah. go beyond next week. Yeah. Like, I, like, no, you're not wrong. You know, that, you're not that, wrong. Interim coach, interim coach, I don't, whatever. Hire Charlie for two days. Yeah. But like, hey, that'd be cool. I, I take the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like, coach, you know, how I feel about coaches, they don't matter. Um, Unless they're really bad. But an interim GM just gives me a bad taste in my mouth. That's fair. The funniest, maybe one of the funnier options, just because of, you know, at Ron thinking he finally got some uh, some relief from Flyers Twitter. Ron Francis, as a a potential GM candidate, he was, uh, in June 2011, Francis assumed the position of director of hockey ops with the Carolina Hurricanes before later being named general manager of the team in 2014 uh, on March 7, 2018, Francis was named president of Hockey Ops by uh, Dun Dun. Dun Dun. Dun Dun. His Hurricanes contract. (laughs) So good. His Hurricanes contract was terminated like a month and a half later. 
any interest in Francis? It seems like he kind of I like got, him. I like him as a guy. Uh, fine. It seems like he got fired in Carolina for the same yeah. shit Ron got that, fired so for. Here's, yeah, that's the thing. Here's my thought, though. So Carolina is not a team that operates the same way as the Philadelphia Flyers. I feel like Carolina is a more measured team as far as spending money goes. Um, they are, absolutely. Yeah, so... Ron, we might think that he was doing nothing, but he may not have had the freedom to do as much as he wanted to do by the previous ownership. Also, he may have learned that sitting on your hands and doing nothing is not a great way to GM a hockey team, so maybe he'd do it differently the second time around. Just wait for the Jets to win a cup and everyone goes, see? See? Doing Doing nothing. nothing. (laughs) So I I like Ron Francis primarily because I know for a fact that he's open to to analytics and open open a new school. He hired Eric Tulski, which was very, very nice of him. He should be our next GM. I I would love it. I offered him the job today. He seemed interested. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really hoping for that guy. I don't know if it's your you, the guy uh, Eric that you all know or if it's some random dude I've never heard of but I really just want like the smart 32 year old who knows where hockey's going his name is Kyle Dubas <laughs> no that's what I'm talking about yeah. a Cheka a Dubas or a Brisebois someone Chica. who just knows where hockey's going and can pull off the balancing act yeah, yeah I want one of those Mark Hunter sure yeah, I mean he's he's definitely more on the hockey guy side than than Dubis absolutely, but he seems like a smart version of that. Yeah. But back to Francis though, yeah, like yeah, yeah. like I like Francis. It's nearly impossible, and maybe they'll surprise me. It's just nearly impossible, as you said, for me to imagine Paul Holmgren going out and after. After firing Ron Hextall, most likely because Hextall wouldn't do stuff to go out and then hire someone who got fired for not doing stuff. Because it wasn't just the money. Like, one of the big things that I believe Dundun did not like about <laughs> Francis was that Francis had this this loyalty to his core. And mm. that's kind of like well. Hextall. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't be upset if it was just loyalty to the core. Fair. The fact is it was loyalty to everybody which is not a fault except for when you're trying to build a winning franchise i don't even know if it was loyalty to people with hextall it was just obsession with his vision that he would not deviate from for any reason whatsoever yeah in in a weird sort of way like i'm not saying i agree with it but in a weird sort of way i kind of respect it that he was just so like it it was stubborn hard-headed no but like like he probably was essentially given the option of, hey, you can you can give in and agree we're right, or you can just die on the sword. And I kind of respect that he's I mean, like, no, I'm dying on the sword. I, that's easy to do when you have a guaranteed yeah. contract. But I hear, but he might not get, ever get another GM yeah, job. That's true. I respect that he said, hey, you look, you see, you see these forty three years that we didn't win shit and we did it your way. Now nah, we're doing it my way. I respect that he held that opinion because I think he was wrong. But, but I, 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 I respect the. I, I respect the like just the dogged dedication to a vision. I respect. It. I don't I mean, think it was right, but I respect it. What's or, frustrating is that he was like eighty percent right. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, if he just gave a little bit on what his overarching vision was for how this team was going to be built, it might have been okay. For a period of time, I believe he needed to go, no, this is the line in the sand that we will not cross. I agree with that. Because every time we cross it, it really, really backfires. Like, we end up trading Bobrovsky for nothing and being stuck paying Ilya Brizgalov until the sun burns out. Like, we're not (laughs) going to do that again. All right, But, you know, it did ultimately lead to his demise because like there's no goalie. 
There isn't a goalie. They decided to come into the season with an empty net. Hire Ron so we can still at Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Chuck Fletcher. Darren Dreger dropped this name today on Twitter, said Chuck Fletcher, along with Ron Ron Francis, among the early names as potential GMs in Philly, both experienced men. Francis is in the process of divesting equity in Carolina. Uh, Okay, so that's back to Francis. I read the whole tweet there. Um yeah, Chuck Fletcher. I mean, he was assistant GM for Ray Shiro. He had the job in Minnesota for a little bit. Quite a while, actually. Yeah. I mean, he had it for nearly a decade. Oh, yeah. He got hired in 2009. Yeah. yeah. He got fired last April. So, okay. What worries me about that team is the Wild are another team that started to put pieces together and never got all the way there. Yeah. What was interesting about Fletcher, like, I don't, I'm kind of ambivalent towards Fletcher. I don't know enough about him yeah. to to dislike him, but he doesn't jump out at me as this obviously great choice. What was interesting to me about him was that, obviously, Drager mentioned it, but then Saravalli, in his Later in the Day article, called him the front runner or like a mm. front runner. And, Interesting. And one thing I'll say about Frank, like he's got like he's, he's got connections. Yeah. He he yeah. when he says stuff about the Flyers, like he's the guy who broke the JVR sign. Yeah. He's Sarah got Valley's some good. contacts. Yeah. Um I it doesn't I feel like this hire has to be something that people go, oh, I think Fletcher, honestly, the biggest problem with the Minnesota team that never seemed to get all the way there is they signed uh, Parisi and Suter to those contracts and everyone just expected rollbacks that summer. And that's the one thing the owners didn't get. <laughs> like, and so the the Weber and the, the Weber and the Minnesota contracts, all those numbers remain gigantic. And it was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> like, well, I think it was like twenty five percent rollbacks or something after the 0506 lockout, and they didn't get rollbacks. Yeah, this they time. didn't get any. And it was like, yeah. oh yeah, our bad. I've, I've always viewed Minnesota's problem, and I guess this. It really isn't the problem right now in Philadelphia. What I always viewed as Minnesota's problem is that they just struck me as a team that, like, they just didn't have the the high end guys, the really high end yeah. guys that you kind of need. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of good players. They just don't like Suter was maybe the only one because he plays like thirty minutes a night and does good and does doesn't kill it in those minutes, but he does good in 30 minutes a night, which is pretty damn valuable. But they just didn't really have those guys who just could change a game on a dime, and I always thought that was sort of what held back that team. The Flyers actually do, so I don't know. Maybe there's a fit here if you give him what he never had in Minnesota. I don't know. Uh, right. Maybe. Maybe. I, I. God. He doesn't excite me, and yeah. I think no, that's he does. the thing. It's, it's just like, it's I'd more... Mediocre, right. mediocre, mediocre, the mediocre, more, mediocre, mediocre. The more that comes out about this firing, it seems more and more like, yes, there are hockey elements to it, but it seems so much is wrapped up in, yo, people aren't paying attention to this. Yeah, game. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, look at our number. Look at our download numbers from last year to this year. We're doing well as a, as a podcast overall. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thank, <laughs> but like, look at our numbers for just the flagship show. Yeah. This point last year to this point this year. People were fucking furious last year, yep. but they were anger listening to this show. Yeah. There's a big number of people who have been like, yeah, yeah I don't want to hear a damn. Yeah. It's not us. The show's the same. L- much like the team. <laughs> people are just like, <laughs> Actually, I don't want to hear a damn thing opinion. about this team. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear a damn thing about this team, and I get it. It is annoying that they're no better a calendar year later. And I'm extremely pissed off that I can't finish an article that I started about how 
there's just a cycle of Flyers fandom because <laughs> now they went and blew shit up. And that's but, kind but there of, has been. There's just been this whole cycle that is the, the, this apathy. I think the Flyers learned in the last, let's say, calendar year something that they never thought was true. That people will tune tune out. Yeah. It was yeah. because I agree with what that. have you always been told by other Philly sports fans who don't watch the Flyers? Oh, you Stepfords who just yeah. Let, yeah. who just let everything. You'll always show up. You'll always buy your jerseys. I really do feel like on Black Friday they sold no jerseys and they're like, shit, we sell out of jerseys every year. Yeah. This is bad news. Like, Nobody re- wants to <laughs> like, wear our colors. Yeah, like, I feel like they looked at the Santa sack sales and went. Oh fuck! Yeah, I mean, every <laughs> it all goes time, back to the Sands. Always back to the Sands. Every time they did a tweet about their no fees Black Friday yeah. sale, the chirps on Twitter were like relentless. No, I really do. I think they learned Parking something about their fans. Parking passes are more expensive than tickets. Oh yeah, yeah. I am. Like, I'm straight up looking into going on Tuesday because I want to see what happens. Yeah, but bucks, then you'll baby. have to watch the team. I wanted to go to start fire Hackstall's chance, and now I want to go just to see what the hell shows up. <laughs> That's not uh, a bad yeah, idea. So Mark Hunter, I may this, join you. Mark Hunter is the interesting, like he's the huh. Yeah. Uh, Hunter spent twelve years as the owner, VP, and GM of the London Knights in the OHL. He departed his manager role to team in October 2014. Uh, at which point, he was announced as director of player personnel for the Leafs uh, in April 2015. After the firing of Dave Nonis, Hunter and Kyle Dubas were named co-interim GMs of the Leafs until they hired Lou. Uh, uh, and at that point, uh, named assistant GM, and then after uh, after Dubis got the job, Hunter left. Interesting. This is I, the one that I like. I like this the, too. The Dubis, the the hockey guy end of the of the you know progressive revolution there with Dubis. It's interesting. I am intrigued by the Mark Hunter option. So he would have been the guy then behind the London Knights when they won the Memorial Cup. I don't know enough about the CA, like CHL history to know when they won a Memorial they Cup. They won the Memorial Cup, I'm going to say four-ish, Look four or five-ish years ago. Mrs. Canada. <laughs> Ms. Ms. How dare Canada. You? No, you're married to Canada. Oh. Fair point. I didn't get any <laughs> gifts. Uh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, uh, I like this. First of all, I like that it's not an established NHL hockey man. He did not play for the Philadelphia Flyers. That's my... <laughs> That's my number one. Yeah. That's number one on the list here for me is like never wore the sweater. (laughs) And though he's not as much of a nerd as Kyle Dubas, perhaps some of the nerd has rubbed off on him. I don't even need a nerd. I just need someone with a fresh perspective. I mean, I need need him really hard to not be Lou Lamorello, but if he's more on the Dubas scale of the Leafs organization, I'm I'm cool with it. I would appreciate, you know. Peacoat, scarf, glasses guy. I, I want really, that. I, I, I can sketch. I don't have a name for GM, but I can sketch you what I want. He doesn't drink GM. coffee. He drinks chai tea. Yeah, chai tea. Absolutely. I fucking yeah. love a good chai yeah. tea. Oh I, want a, I want a gluten-free GM. I really do. Yeah. If he has so does a, Kelly. I want he, wears, somebody, he wears Tom's. I want someone with a better man bun than me. Yes. <laughs> What's the, um? you, you want to Gabe the babe for? <laughs> yeah. A hockey gave the babe. They don't exist. No. They do not exist. Hockey players don't age well. No. <laughs> so what, a Hunter? Yeah. I, mean, I like I like Mark Hunter. Yeah, I would I like know. to see that. We'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Like I, I guess I just I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad option. I just really I would like someone who wasn't 
the counterbalance to the analytics guy. That's I'd fair. rather have the analytics guy. Well, yeah. What if he, <laughs> what if he le- works well alongside analytics guy? I mean, like, they have an analytics guy in a cage somewhere in the Wells Fargo Center. <laughs> Ian He's the one that gets real. coffee. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen him, Charlie? I, I cannot confirm it or not. <laughs> <laughs> he, he evolved. He exists. There is an analytics person. Yeah, he allegedly. went so nuts and turned into gritty. That's where gritty came from. <laughs> Lost his mind watching Andrew McDonald play in. <laughs> Fucking all of a sudden he became this methed out orange mascot. Yes. I love it. I like and of this. course, the uh, sentimental picks. I'm just going to lump them together. Chris Pronger, Danny Briere. Uh, Pronger, currently the senior advisor of hockey ops for Florida Panthers, a uh, position he's held since like last week or something. <laughs> Yeah, not very long. <laughs> and Danny Briere currently runs the day-to-day ops uh, for the for the oh, Maine Mariners, whose season like started, who who became a thing like this year. Yeah, like yeah. this year. There's, Maybe we shouldn't laugh at this because Paul Holmgren, totally Paul Holmgren is running this search. Yeah, there's a couple more names that what, I want to throw out. What here. were Paul Holmgren's claims to fame? Signing Briere, trading for Pronger. <laughs> he likes also getting rid of Carter and Richard. Bring well, it back the good old speaking days. Speaking of. Oh. What's Mike Richards up to? They gave them some, Michael! They got rid oh, of themselves. Come back from the cottage, baby. Oh, my God. If Mike Richards... <laughs> I, almost wore, I almost wore my Richards jersey here today. You can Three put wearing. your boat in the uh, marina in Philadelphia. Simmons. You Simmons. can fish okay. here. So I've got two more names that I want to add to okay. this list. Okay. One is an internal, Chris Pryor. No, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. That Sam Moran will hit you with a stick... Fuck Was that. that him? Yeah, that fucking video from that draft little... I don't know if Nurse... Flight plan? Yeah, I don't know if Nurse will cross-check you in the teeth, but I know Sam Moran will, eh? <laughs> we need somebody who fits with the culture. I <laughs> Go away. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I wouldn't I, hate it. So whatever. he's currently the assistant GM, director of player personnel. It's not a, it's not a sexy choice. It just... It's an <sighs> option. It's an option that I wouldn't hate. Um, it's an option that I would like better than Lombardi. Fair. Right. Um, and then the, the next one is like the guy that I put at the absolute top of the list, but there's absolutely no way that he's coming here. Steve Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's everyone's dream. But yeah, no, if I could not. get Stevie Y, yeah. sure. Like, and again, this is where I would, I would sacrifice to like, me, a stranger for <laughs> Yeah, throw all of the money at him. Yeah, yeah, to me, this is where Comcast comes into play. Oh, you want to live in Detroit? Why? Yeah. We're like that, but like We're there's like an Detroit. actual beach here, mm-hmm. and it doesn't snow nearly as much. And they haven't Here's started $10 million. To dollars. Yes. No, remember the conversation we had in the summer about how ironically, how Ron Hexall owed it to the fans to give John Tavares a call. Yeah. Okay, well, well, Comcast and Paul Holmgren owe it to the fans to just give Steve Eisenman a call. Kick, and most and, yeah, and, mo- and most likely, almost certainly, yeah. he's going to say, nah, no thanks, I'm good. But you got to check. You at least got to check. And here's that thing about the, this is why I think it's more possible than maybe anyone believes, including myself, because he does want to go home and it makes sense. It's a great story if he goes back to Detroit, whatever, even if it's just to spend time with family, blah, blah, blah. All these former athletes who want to spend time with family, they say that shit until they do, and then, <laughs> and then realize for 30 years their family has been getting on without them, and they are an inconvenience to everyone around because they're <laughs> screwing up the routine of this whole time. Like, right. There's a reason Ric Flair still wants to be on the road. It's because like his kids grew up without him, and now they're over it. Like, I, I just I think that's what happens with a lot of these guys. I always joke that Jamie Moyer's family must really not like him. Like, <laughs> he's like, I want to play till I'm fifty. Or it's like, what Carrie what Underwood you, did 
with Mike Fisher. Yes. Kick him, kick him right exactly. out of the house. Go sign another contract. Mike Fisher. I'm sick of you. Mike Fisher wanted some family time, and then Carrie Underwood was like, nah, nah we're, we're good. good. We're okay here. Thanks. <laughs> uh, just, Thanks. So, uh, but this Pronger and Briere options, are they... What I mean, are they? They exist. <laughs> I mean, I know Pronger Unlikely. has GM aspirations, but I need him to at least be an assistant general manager. Yeah, somewhere. they need they need some more seasoning. In they terms need of some, some cooking, because I want somebody badly from outside the bubble. Yes, Pronger doesn't really live in the bubble. Like he's played well, in so many places, and he's got the job elsewhere. Uh, it's not like Ron Hextall, who was like a foregone. He's going to be our G. Like when he left, it was like he's going to be our GM someday. We're going to bring him back. Like we all like it was kind of something we knew. And he was the guy who jumped Chelios and all that stuff. Sorry, we have a chemo team in an article that got disrupted today because of all the news. Chemo team in it would like to come back in some type of capacity. By the way, hey, he's more inside the bubble to me. No, he is. He is for he's sure. But it just, you know. I don't want somebody. Things like exploded in the article. Didn't I published. don't. I don't want somebody who played here before. But of all those guys, Pronger's intriguing to me because he's not really from inside the bubble. Pronger, yeah. I, I. It's funny, like for media people, Pronger would be the best because he would be the single greatest quote ever. I, I, I suspect he would hate me, so <laughs> it might make my life a little bit tougher because I don't write the kind of stuff the beats do. But for people who just are looking for great quotes. Pronger would be amazing for for media people. Now to wrap because we have we're Taylor. Done. Taylor said that he'd give us an extra fifteen minutes. Got about Did he? Ten. Yeah. Um, the Dave question. Yeah. Two mm-hmm. schools of thought in my mind. Give Dave the rest of the year. Maybe get him a goalie, something he's never had, and see if that opens up his system and allows his talented roster can, to control play more than they do. Or he's the cause of the on ice flaws. It's his failure as a coach to not put his players in the right position, and he has to go too because he's part of this whatever is just missing from this team because they show it. We see it sometimes. They can be good. The roster is decent enough to be better than they are, and he's the reason they're not. Where do we land here, and do we expect him to be the coach, let's say, in two weeks? Because, all right, they're going to give the GM a chance. They're going to give the GM a chance. Do we expect him to be the coach in two weeks? I mean, I, I'll let Charlie make the really good point that he made in the article that he wrote today, but it might it might not be the worst thing. And I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> it might not be the worst thing I know. to keep Dave for at least the rest of the year. However, the assistants need to be kicked out. Yeah. Immediately. Well, I mean, La obviously. LaPerriere specifically, if they got rid of both of them, I wouldn't really care. But LaPerriere at minimum needs to go. Yeah. Without question, he, that that's that's a necessity. I, yeah, the, with Dave, I, I guess my thought is that, like, if you don't fire him with the new GM, like, just doesn't it just feel like you're postponing the inevitable? Yeah. Because yes. at some point, this new GM is going to want to hire his guy, yep. whether it's one day into his tenure, ten days into his tenure, three hundred sixty-five days into his tenure, like. I just, it's so hard for me to imagine Hackstall convincing someone else that he's the right guy. Same. That, do I, do I think Hackstall has done a terrible job this season? 
I actually don't. No. I, I said in my article that I felt like the problems of, of the team this year, the biggest problems of the team this year could be more laid on the feet of Hextall than Hacksaw, because the two biggest problems yep. I point to are the penalty kill and the goaltending, and they were both things that Hextall just flat ignored in the offseason, and they got burned for it, whereas Hack has... His lineups have been pretty good. He isn't benching rookies regularly, and his teams drive and play. They're creating more scoring chances. Like there are things that are better. I just don't know what the point of keeping him around is if it's not going to have a chance of yeah. lasting. No. Let me say the the thing that everyone on Twitter said today. But they kept Baruby when they hired Hexton. I thought that as well, and it is, and that's the like unless this team does what we expected it to do, like goes on its second half run that it always goes on, but then wins a round, I can't imagine a situation where the new GM says, oh yeah, we're going to keep the guy that everyone hates. All right, well, let's let's do the show that we... We've got 10 minutes to do the show that we would have done had this news not come out. The way that this team is playing right now, they're not going fucking anywhere other than the Jack Hughes sweepstakes. Like, this is garbage. The the product on ice is garbage, and they just can't get their shit together. Firing Ron Hextall doesn't change the fact that this team is garbage. It's not going to, because nothing is actually changed. Let me throw out... Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that a, a lot of it seems to be that the apathy that we're all feeling as fans... I mean, you kind of see it on the ice. They don't appear to give a shit about what they're doing on the ice, especially in that Toronto game. They were just coasting. Like, they went oh, no. down three, and they did not give a shit about trying to come back no, in that they, game. They didn't move their feet yeah, for, the, the, for the following 45 minutes. And I oh, yeah. wonder that if they see, if they were laboring under the impression that nothing was going to change and nothing was going to get better... Perhaps now that attitude will change and they will see that things might be changing. I mean, there is a chance, I guess, that Hackstall has completely lost the room. And if that's the case, then, yeah, he needs to go. I don't think he has. But like Charlie said, like if you objectively look at the results, particularly at five on five, it's not terrible. The penalty kills garbage. That's got to be fixed immediately if they're going to do anything. But I don't know. I wonder if this might just light a fire. I'll be interested to see tomorrow what they look like. And I know it's the Senators, and they're terrible, so it's not really a true test. But They're better than the Flyers this year. They are. Um, but I'm wondering if this might light a, light a little spark. I, I'm not optimistic. I've been optimistic about this team too often in the past. Because I don't, I don't think it's a talent problem, though. No, my optimism lies in the fact that I believe new GM will come in and do things. I don't. If it's right, not, I don't think it's if it's be not immediate. a coach firing, it could be a big trade. Yeah. It could be acquiring the goaltender because eight eighty team save percentage in all situations, thirty first, eight hundred team save percentage on the PK, tied for fourth worst. Like these are things that can be fixed. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you have to assume that whoever comes in is going to look at this roster and say, I am going to fix this goalie problem now, and, and that's going to involve trading assets. In, t- yeah. in Dave Hackstall's defense, again, a, situ- a, a sentence I don't like saying. <laughs> Over the last three seasons, Flyers have an 896 save percentage in all situations. Worst in hockey, tied with Carolina, the you know team that has had as bad a goalie problems as Philadelphia has, and Ron Francis kind of fired for not addressing it or failing to address it when he's tried. Um, 
Power play, 15.7, 25th. Penalty kills, 69.7. Nice. Not dead last. Not, not very nice. They're percentage points ahead of, I believe, Ottawa. It's Ottawa it's, is, yeah, is They're going right to be yeah. back and forth for yeah, the last just place all year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, minus 13 goal differential, sixth worst, ahead of only Ottawa, Chicago, Vancouver, Anaheim, and L.A. Some of those teams have fired their coach already. Um Others are going to, or you know, are just struggling to uh, to freaking put players on the ice. Um, yeah, I, I I have to believe new GM is going to do things that fix these immediate yeah. problems, and then maybe we get a different team from there. And I I can't. I have trouble believing a big trade won't be made by like Christmas. No, I agree because at first, I mean, apart from just fixing the problems. These guys like to put their dicks on the table, and yeah. whoever this is is going to be like, this is my team now, and this is how I'm going to show you. I'm the captain now. Yeah, I'm going to do something <laughs> to show you. That movie? It just so happens that we have a giant glaring problem that needs to be fixed that just allows them to come in and make some kind of trade. But if we're going to get a good goaltender, we're going to have to lose some shit. Oh, yeah. You get a good goaltender. So the team is going to look different. How do you go about getting one of them? I don't even know where you find them. I think that they sell them in, like, Finland. Well, you've got to part with some assets. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're gonna lose something. We're gonna lose. I think we're gonna lose something that's gonna upset us. I could honestly. see that. But but I at this at the same time, like you said this, and, and granted, I know everything's changed now because you fire Ron Hexel. But like you said, this was a step forward year. Your goaltending, aside from when Brian Elliott can play, has been a total disaster. So if you still have any designs at all on making this season somehow becoming a success, you have to get a goaltender. You have yep. to. Yeah. Because if you don't, it's just over. If, if you don't, it's over, unless by some miracle Brian Elliott comes back and can play 55 games, which I don't think anybody is expecting. And even point. then, like you're banking on good Brian Elliott, and we see either good Fair. or awful Brian Elliott. There's, there's, listen, Brian Elliott has a super high ceiling. He can be excellent. Or... He can be 796 save percentage, Brian Elliott, who has no chance on half the shots because, oh yeah, he went down four seconds early and left half the net opened. Um, I don't know that we can get good Brian Elliott for four or five months at a time, he's, let alone healthy Brian Elliott, yeah, he's to even broken, give you a man. chance. To even give you a chance to see good Brian Elliott, we need healthy Brian Elliott, and I don't think we get either of those things for any like length of time. Not this year. He's too broken. But yeah, if, if you if you stick with the current goalie situation, if we assume that Elliott maybe plays another 15 games this year because he's in and out of the lineup due to injury, and the waiver gets four or five when he can somehow be healthy, and then your goaltending situation <laughs> is basically Cal Pickard and Alex Lyon, or Cal Pickard and Anthony Stolarz, depending upon which of Lyon or Stolarz you've decided is the backup. Like This team is going to finish among the worst teams at hockey. Yeah. The goalies just are so bad, it's just... It, 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 you're, what you're basically saying is that we're just going to get a high draft pick. That's what you're saying. Because you can't... It doesn't matter how good the team is in front. It, with that kind of goaltending, you're not going to win games. And, like, I, I hate... Oh, God. I hate that the team responds to their goalie situation with as much flatlining as yeah, they do. They need to But, not. like, when you're watching Cal Pickard in warm-ups and you're looking over at the offensive firepower that Toronto has... 
yeah, I see it. It's not right. It's yeah. not right. But when it's Andreas Johnson who like can't find his way into the lineup, is a healthy scratch half the season, and then has a hat trick, has a in, hat trick ten in ten minutes. minutes. It's like, oh uh, yeah, he just went five hole three times in a row. Same yeah. move, and and then you know just that extra John Tavares goal yeah. just mixed just, in there. Yeah, throw in, the in first, another in goal. First ten minutes, but like no and deal. again, Patrick no. Marlowe. Does that excuse? My bad. Does that excuse the other? Yeah, the rest of the team, the 18, absolutely not. The eighteen skater, six, eighteen skaters. Yeah, I'm trying to do quick math here. The eighteen skaters just not trying all that hard. No. Like Nolan Patrick, second year in the league, just doing the Ole. God damn it! Why do you have to Ole? Pick on him? Because he did it. It was Ole. bad. It was bad. Oh, you got by me. It was bad. Like no, awful. No, does it excuse so, Jake Voracek just looking at guys? Oh, there you go. See ya. Nope. No, there was. It doesn't. There was that tweet. But I get it. At some point this weekend where it said, it quoted the the save percentage and said that Dave Haxtell uh, deserves a extension. Yeah, wasn't that, wasn't that deleted later? It was, uh, it was yeah. deleted later. Because the team's 500 and yeah. Right. No, but there is. I, but, but what I responded with was, or the defense and the forwards just aren't supporting their goalies. Like this is... I've been saying it. We've been saying it. This is a problem without throughout the entire organization. Mm-hmm. This is yes. a systemic problem. And now they've cut the head off. Maybe. And we'll uh, see. One thing I will say, and this is something uh, maybe we used to talk about more even on Sons of Penn than we do now, Steph. Never heard of it. In the very beginning of, Hex, of, of Hack's tenure, mm. the team visually... Again, uh, <laughs> William. Gotta use that word. Weren't they visually more aggressive? And yep. then, yes. and then we saw. Oh yeah, no one can make a save. Okay, let's do this three man high thing. Let's run everything yep. through the. Like, weren't I don't even weren't yes. they at one point more yes. aggressive yes. under this coach? Yes. and regressed because oh yeah, no one can make well, a I save. Think, but that I never came we, out of it. Well, I think well, we they made never up got that it was because. Well, Maybe we just made up. We that. made up that it was because of the goalies. I think that this is Dave Haxtell's system. Dave Haxtell's system be. is is being conservative and playing it safe. But it he didn't be. run that the first year. His first, right, and they were successful. That's what I mean. But what, like, if that is what this, changed was yeah. he got a full year under his belt and was like, well, now I'm putting. And he has had no goaltending this whole time, and that's why. I mean, I'm I mean, with the idea. Come on, Steve Mason was the first. The first year, the first that. year, the goaltending was good. He had yeah. Steve Mason, who was had a great second half, and he had Michael Neuver had a great first half, and it all kind of worked out. The following year, so what was the following? year? The following year was the final Steve Mason year. When he was bad. Yeah. Then last year was Elliot was okay, and then everything went to shit in February. So there is something. That's why I'm, over the last three years, 896 save percentage, there is something to the idea. Maybe give him a goalie and see what happens the rest of this year. I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory, but I understand it. All right, have we talked this to death, guys? I don't think we could no, talk I, I, it to death if we had another three I, months. No. Yeah. <laughs> that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those damn places. Give us a five-star review and say nice things about us. We would really appreciate it. My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about
Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to The Good Fight podcast feed.